In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Today in the Gospel reading for this homily, I want to just focus on the first miracle that our Lord did, as we have heard today. There were two that were back-to-back and a doubting from the Pharisees, but what I want to hone in on, to zero in on, is that first miracle. And what, if we look at it carefully and prayerfully, what it can teach us about the contours of the spiritual life, about what it means to pray, about what it means to beseech our Lord, and even what it means to follow Him. So perhaps if we slow down just a little bit and recall what happened there, we will learn that prayer is the articulation of our faith and that there is a measure of patience to be in the presence of God and awaiting a response. This is what those two blind men demonstrate for us when we think and we just look at this first miracle. The words that those two men cry out are part of how the church has inherited the blessed words of what many call just simply the prayer, meaning the chiefest of prayers, the one that has everything in it, that whole and complete yet such a short prayer by which we can without fail say and bring ourselves before God at all times. Namely, what we typically call the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. By these words, when we have faith and warmth of heart like these two blind men, then we can receive the same thing that they received. This interaction between the two blind men and Jesus takes on a certain form in its narrative, which demonstrates for us how pursuit of Christ can look for us. And so often, I believe, takes on the form when we slow down and look at what it is that happened with these men in that interaction between Christ and their cries. First, how does the gospel open? It says that Jesus passes them by. As they're crying aloud to him, Christ doesn't turn toward them. The gospel doesn't say anything about Christ motioning toward them. It's almost as if they were not there. But the crowd probably knew that they were there, and I'm sure Jesus, the God-man, did as well. And he does something similar also with the second miracle, which we'll just briefly touch on. We also hear, see, that Christ's Presence alone casts out the mute demoniac. There's nothing, even less so, of uh, what we could call an actual interaction between the dumb demoniac, the the mute man who had the demon, that his exorcism takes place just immediately by being put before in the presence of Christ, that his exorcism, his healing happens. But these two blind men, they shout after Christ, and they go through certain stages with our Lord before what St. Nikolai so excellently points out and calls that love meets faith. Love himself ends up reaching out and touching their eyes and illumining their darkness. So where is Christ in this miracle account? Christ goes back to his home in Capernaum. 
and he goes as he passes them by into a quiet and private place. And then these two men, after their cries of, Son of David, have mercy on us, they simply just follow him into that same place. They follow him into that home. And only now, in the privacy of that home, does Christ actually turn toward them and address them. And what is that central question that he asks them? We could call it a test of their faith, but it's really probably a growing of their faith. Because they're simply calling him son of David. But his question to them is, do you believe that I'm able to do this? A son of David is a monarchical title. It's a kingship title. It's not one of a person who has power over the body to heal it. And so when he says, do you believe I am able to do this? Their response is the most important one. They simply respond in a humble manner. Yes, Lord. And it's that second word that is the most important for our spiritual lives. Because they're not just calling him son of David. But as the scriptures say, one cannot call him Lord without the movement of the Holy Spirit. So what we see in these two blind men is that there is faith already present in them. They are seeking, but it's incomplete. Their faith by this proclamation of saying, yes, Lord, and this interaction, this personal interaction with the Lord has reached a new stage. From the simple title of honor, son of David, which they gave to all of the righteous people who perhaps were of the lineage of David, which was good, but it was imperfect. They gave the title of supremacy, of master and Lord. Their public confession at the question before certain witnesses, because this is how we know it, for the apostles witnessed this, and they themselves at the end of this become witnesses, but we're a little bit getting ahead of ourselves. We know that this We know that they become witnesses themselves to the Lord and to his greatness because these men, in calling him Lord, confess a title that only the Holy Spirit can reveal to them and that later their fame of Christ spreads. Now, after that proclamation of yes, Lord, our our Lord and Christ touches their eyes And he says, be it according to your faith. What we've been looking at and what Christ knows here is that it is a matter of faith. A matter, really, when we hear that word faith, we should hear also the word trust. We have heard of one who can heal us. We have heard of one that can save us. And then these two men, they go and take practical steps to see for themselves. And when our Lord interacts with them, they give that divine proclamation of calling him Lord. And our Lord acknowledges that by their measure of faith. And now these two men are healed. And he charges them with that curious thing that uh, we can pause on. And he says, see that no one knows it. What an odd charge to give to these two men who have just been shouting out in the midst of a crowd, obviously are blind, 
obviously are stumbling and trying to find their way to Christ. And he says that, see that no one knows it. But here I think, and many of the fathers, St. Nikolai of Ordid among them, says that this charge is one of silence. One where it's not about their words of what happened, but that our Lord's work is manifest in their very bodies. Because now, where they could not see, they can see. And so, by simply existing in this new stage, in this new healing that Christ has given them, they are proclaiming Christ because their bodies can't help but do it. And this same thing happens for all of us when we come in contact with God. We are fundamentally changed. We become new beings in that interaction with Christ. And it's our very lives themselves, not about necessarily the words that we speak. It's not about that primarily, but about how we live from then on as ones who have our spiritual eyes opened and know that Jesus is not simply the son of David, but our Lord and our God. And that radically changes everything. So this interaction reveals to us what is actually very common within the life of faith. Those who seek our Lord and follow after him. That reveals to us a way that our Lord draws us toward him to be ready for his healing touch upon our souls. There is a structure to that encounter which grows our faith and then confirms it. This encounter reveals a kind of process of faith, you could call it, that has its pinnacle in being touched by God, who is love. This process or this structure is chiefly found in our own personal articulation of faith, which is our prayer life. And as we opened up this homily with speaking of the prayer, the Jesus prayer, we see here laid out the contours of our relationship, of our getting to know Christ, and of him healing us and granting us his strength. It begins by hearing of the Messiah, the Savior, and the Lord from others. It doesn't begin in a vacuum. It begins by others sharing the fame of Christ, as the gospel says. We are the blind ones, crying out to him, shouting a proclamation of what we do know about Jesus, and we're crying out to him to know him just a little bit more. We're crying out for his mercy. So the relationship begins before ever even actually coming face to face with Christ. Faith is then generated, and by that we begin to draw close by a process of healing and purification, and we desire to have that change. Faith is generated in that process. St. Gregory Palamas teaches us that these blind men already had faith for that. They already had faith for the healing, and they believed that their cries would be heard and would find its fulfillment somehow in Christ. So this initial stage of healing from spiritual blindness happens with us all. We hear and faith is generated. For they, these blind men, would not know 
that the Messiah would be a descendant of David. They maybe only knew that little bit of information, but they knew that he could give mercy in some way. St. Nikolai in his homily on this very miracle says that such a title, son of David, was in Israel considered the greatest possible honor. King David was seen as a model of all the kings in Israel. And as every righteous man was called a son of Abraham, so every righteous ruler was also called a son of David. Christ had true authority and power that emanated from him like a breath of fresh air. He's meaning how simple and how authoritative were his words. It just was natural to our Lord. It was also probable that the blind men were thinking of the Lord Jesus as the Messiah when they called him Son of David because the whole people were awaiting the Messiah from God who would come from the house of David. So we're getting inklings of the growth of their faith even in their cries. And after this, hope is born. They follow him into the house without any prompting. They simply follow him into that home. And we begin, or we could say they begin to see without seeing, which is the definition of hope. To hope for the things which we have not yet seen. They followed Christ, not hearing an invitation exactly, nor seeing just yet, but nonetheless they follow the Lord into a home and into a place away from the crowd. And the shouts, where the shouts and, the, and they can end and, the sh and they converse with God, the Lord. St. Nikolai further says in this portion, he said, he did not turn round or go aside to them. Why not? Firstly, the more to increase their thirst for God and their faith in him. Secondly, that many should hear the blind men's cries and themselves give thought to their hearts and examine their faith. And thirdly, to show his meekness and humility by shunning glory from men in this way so that he should not heal those, these sufferers on the road in front of the crowds, but in a house before just a handful of witnesses, what meekness and what wisdom did our Lord have? He best knew that there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, and that every good thing, the more it is hidden, the more it will be revealed. What St. Nikolai is saying is that these blind men proved and displayed their faith by following Christ, even when he did not publicly acknowledge or give them honor out there in the crowds. So much so that they went, they believed this so much that his mercy would be given, that they followed him into the house, and as St. Nikolai puts words into their mouth, he says, it is as if they were telling themselves, this is the moment of our healing, now or never. That kind of boldness is what the blind men had, and they followed Christ into that place. And it's there in that quiet place that the contact of the loving God himself, the one who is love, is given. This last stage where we have gone from hearing to faith to hope to an actual contact with love himself. They begin to commune with God and receive the God who is love. St. Nikolai says that their yes, Lord, is the blind man's confession of faith, which is then confirmed. It is that to say that that faith was already present in them and it is now sealed, both in the heart and on the tongue, is St. Nikolai's words. Now love must go out to meet this faith and then a miracle will be born. Here is love that never tarries, coming out to meet faith 
as though a burning candle were placed next to a dead, cold one, and the latter is then burst into flame. He stretched out his most pure hands and he touched the dark holes, the closed windows, the rotting eyes of the blind, and their eyes were opened. The curtain was drawn aside and light flooded into the prison and the prison was turned into a sun-drenched palace. This is the healing which the blind men experience and everyone who pursues Christ with prayer, with faith, even when perhaps it seems that he is far or that he is not responding. This is the end of that. This is the confirmation of faith the blind men receive. That where there was darkness and where there was a prison, where there was an illness, Son, the Son of God opened up their eyes and all of his light entered into them. Their very bodies became the witness that spread the fame of the Lord as that little account ends. So, these stages, this structure of hearing that leads to faith, leading to hope, leading to divine illumination and contact with God, who is love, shows us the contours of Christian life, especially the contours of Christian life in prayer. This little accounting of the miracle, we can say, is an icon of each one of our spiritual lives. It is a process of faith and a confirmation of that faith. It is a crying out to God perpetually for mercy in a recognition of our own illnesses. It is a following him, even when we don't get an immediate response. It is an entering into a place where we can speak with him and he can help us grow in him. It is following him, even when we don't immediately receive a miraculous healing, when we're still struggling, you could say. It is the contact of love meeting faith that heals us. It is the healing of soul and body in that very contact. Dear ones, this little story of a miraculous healing, turn it over in your minds and in your hearts. Think of how often it is emblematic of your own experience of prayer. Think of how often converse with God in faith is like these two men who hear of Christ, they call out to him, they follow him, they dialogue with him, they proclaim and hear him, Lord, and then Christ opens their eyes and heals their infirmity. We all have illnesses, sometimes of the body, but and always of the soul, of our own sins and our own passions. It is only in, the fo in following Christ and crying out to him like these two men did, doing what they did, that these illnesses can be made whole. This is the promise of our faith, that perhaps not now and not immediately, but in promise, in hope of the age to come, all will be made new and whole and lack nothing and see Christ face to face. And we take up these similar words of these men, which our church has crafted from their very words. The words passed on through the ages in our church tradition. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. By this, we too cry out, follow, dialogue, and proclaim, and receive Christ's illuminating touch upon our souls, that our spiritual eyes may be opened and we receive his healing, just as the two blind men did with our Lord and our God. Amen.